listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 87. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots. It's the game of forced viewing. It's the game of one of us chooses, the other one watches. Yes. that's You're reacting that's, to the word forced. Uh, no, it was the game part that was unusual. It's the game of life. <laughs> Are we Game of Thrones? Only it's like movies. Only uh, only one, you know, two movies enter, one... Sure, but we're only covering one movie. That's right. And uh, this week, <laughs> you get to choose something I've never, ever encountered before. Yeah, we've been it, sticking to that pretty it's well It's a modern lately. American classic, yeah. and it's called... Now, now, and later. No, now and then. <laughs> Sequel idea. Well, that's I, I'm pretty sure that's something my mom used to call it now and later, which is the my name, mom used to always name of the gross like starburst knockoff. My mom the, would always get movie titles wrong, also, yeah. or she would know the title but not be confident about it. Yeah. So she would say, "Let's watch that movie about the Shawshank Redemption," and I'm like, "The Shawshank Redemption?" <laughs> okay. No, um, well, it's like about half the time whether she was actually making a joke or actually didn't remember the name. So either it works either way, though. So okay. Yeah. Shout out to your mom. Hi, Paula. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now and then, as a refresher, 1995? Yes. Oh, and I didn't look up the director. Did you? Uh, yes. I feel really bad. I, I totally never went to IMDb today. So she... Female director. Love that. Actually yeah. didn't know that when we watched the film. So um, Leslie Linka Gladder is... And she also does a bunch of like TV directions. So she said she went on to do Gilmore Girls stuff. She did some direction of Gilmore Girls episodes, Pretty, Pretty Little, Little Liars. Liars, and actually the writer of of Now and Then, yeah. also did the original adaptation of Pretty Little Liars and was a a producer on Pretty Little Liars for the first couple of seasons. Okay, so she was involved in getting it from you know draft into pilot into production. Yeah. Um, and, and then I guess left the project after a couple years. Um, but as I, I've watched Pretty Little Liars, the pr- first couple seasons are the best seasons. So um, clearly her direction had some... Or, so if or, you want a blind spot for me, it's Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. I've never seen one episode, yeah. although my kid watches it all, all the time and used to when they're way too young also, yeah. I think. <laughs> So I, I, I've heard a lot of the dialogue, but I never really paid attention. I don't know anything. Well, anyway. I mean, so... This movie kind of provided, I think, provided a blueprint for a lot of, of, of sort of teen and actually women focused, you know, the sort of four women in a friendship sort of thing. Um, I guess Sex in the City. I don't remember when Sex in the City first came out. It was. It would have already been out, I think, in nineteen ninety five. No, I don't think so well i'm not sure i yeah. I know that i started watching it later in the 90s but yeah. maybe i we were behind i'm not sure but you know so it's it's the story of four friends and the now is 1991 i think in the in the movie and then then is 1970 yeah and so we have two groups of women that are playing the same people at different points in their life is yeah, can we do like a little roll call of all the extraordinary actors in this movie? Okay, and, so... <laughs> and who plays who at what age? So, um... I've got that. Oh, you have it? Okay. Well, I mean, I wrote it down because I knew yeah. I would never remember. So, we have Roberta, Christina Ricci as a yes. kid, and Rosie O'Donnell growing yes. up. We've got Samantha played by Gabby Hoffman, who yes. I still love. 
She's and, great. Um, grows up to be Demi Moore. Yes. When you grow up, no, you're going to no, be Demi Moore. She actually grows up to be Gabby Hoffman. Yeah, I know. But... Well, I love that. Um, that these a number of these people went on. Yeah. So. Um, and then we have Teeny, played by Thora Birch when she's a girl, and Melanie Griffith, grown up, and then finally Chrissy, played played by Ashley Ashton Moore. Let me say that slower. Ashley Ashton Moore. Yeah. Um, and Rita Wilson. Yes. Um, the great, wonderful Rita Wilson. I've always liked Rita Wilson too. I actually like who the, grew up to be married to Tom. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Now, and uh, to be a, a wonderful, witty, and acerbic um, comedian yes. and fabulous actress in just about everything I've ever so, seen. So I mean, that kind of uh, yeah broke my brain a little bit to have all these kind of like, especially having like. Janine Garofalo plays a small part. So it's Christina Ricci, Janine Garofalo, and Thora Birch all in the same scene. And it kind of like so broke my brain a little bit. It I was, was like crossing the streams I know, or some kind of antimatter like, matter kind of thing. It was the scene where they first go into the cafe where Janine Garofalo's waiting tables. Yeah. And like there's a moment where you're like, oh my God, these are all the dark, <laughs> sarcastic um, women of, of my, yeah. my 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 life. Just need to in one In one scene. Yeah. Throw. Like who did they not? <laughs> Get. I mean, Scarlett Johansson. That's right. <laughs> She's a little younger yeah. though, so I don't. Did, we never did um, uh, Ghost World on the show. I don't think right? we did. But I went back and looked the other day no, just to be sure. It's because we both came to this yeah. to this relationship and this marriage, both independently loving the movie Ghost World yeah. and um, and Lost in Translation for that matter yeah. too. So hence the Scarlett Johansson. Thor, anyway, Thora Birch. Ghost World, that's that's my number one Thora Birch movie, but she's also fantastic in other things like American Beauty, and uh, and now the rest of the credits escaped me as yeah. I started to go off on that point because I didn't, wasn't yeah, prepared. She has Mina Savari in it, who also was not in this film, but um, could have been. We can name lots of people yeah. who weren't in this film. <laughs> However, the, the number so of people in I this saw film. this film probably, I know I saw it on video again and again and again. It was one of those I watched a lot when I was a kid. I think I was pretty obsessed with like these female friendships because I kind of like my best friend moved away and so I didn't really have like a group of friends that I hung out with so I was like really into watching that um so I remember watching it a lot um but I'm pretty sure I probably saw it in the theater I just don't remember specifically but I mean I was the target audience I was 13 14 13 or 14 13 or 14 when it's 95 but it came out in October, so I would have been 14. You um, did deeper research than yeah. I did. I'm sorry I didn't get the month down. You know? Well, it was on the Wikipedia page. It wasn't that hard to find. Okay. Um, I just I know where my when my birthday is, and I'm able to do math based on the years. Oh, I, 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 I'm only giving you organic reaction to this uh, yeah. movie today. I didn't do any outside research. I okay. Just, so <laughs> you can jump in and correct me when okay. I go like completely off the rails. Um, so anyway, I was the target audience clearly for, for this. And I believe, I, you know, I remember having this on VHS. I remember it being one that I watched again and again. Um, I actually have, I probably not seen it since I was like 18, maybe. Cause I don't think it was one of those that I took to college and over 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was like seeing it again, not for the very first time, but, 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 there were a lot of things that I just didn't remember. So why didn't you see it, Dave? <laughs> so um, I didn't give that a whole lot of thought because I just think it wasn't really... So I would have been 24. Yeah, not really target not, audience. Not my target Not target audience. Um, 
so I think it's just not the... I wasn't seeing a lot of uh, mainstream Hollywood <laughs> targeted for... Well, it's targeted for women and girls primarily, although it works as for anybody. Yeah. But um, so anyway, it just escaped my notice at the time. It probably wasn't something... I probably wouldn't have thought I was interested in it yeah. at that point, you know, because I was a uh, snobby... Uh, Looking for film, a cine- film student. Yeah, cinema to like knock my socks off, kind yeah. of thing, you know, like movies, film, um, <laughs> film. But that said, I was thinking about how I wish that I had seen it when I was about their age, or yeah. maybe about your age. If I was younger when this came out, if I got to see this for the first time when I was a kid, I actually think I would have really liked it and responded well to it if I had even had the opportunity to see it, because I do feel like it was probably most likely marketed to girls and women. Yeah. And I just don't know that. (laughs) I don't know. It's like, (laughs) I feel like I I feel, okay. So to kind of veer away for a second, I, in a way it, it, I was trying to think of like counterpart movies kind of thing or the equivalent. And it immediately made me think of Stand By Me, yeah. the movie that's made for boys about coming yes. of age, boy, period film for boys coming of age. But no periods. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you, that's funny. Yeah. It's a period film. Yes. I like it. Um, <laughs> um, that's really good. Okay. Um, now I completely lost my Sorry. train of thought. So Stand By Me, I saw, I, I actually did see when I was probably 16 or whenever, 16 or 17 when that came out. I was a teenager when that came out. And that's like the boy version of the coming of age. Yeah. I'm going to say it again, period film. Mm. I think it's a little bit farther back but in the 60s. But is it set in the 60s? It's okay. probably early 60s, early to we'll mid 60s. We'll come at 86, so. And, um, every, you know, it's River Phoenix and uh, 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 Will Wheaton mm. and uh, one of those quarries. Just one. Corey. Feldman. Feldman. And I can't remember. Oh, it's uh, the guy in uh, Sliders, a... uh, Jerry O'Connell, I think. Is, oh, is, Jerry O'Connell. Is the fourth. Oh. Ki- who actually, that may break your brain if, if you haven't seen Stand By Me in the last few decades. Because it took me years to realize that was Jerry O'Connell years later. Interesting, yeah. Um, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that I actually feel like that that probably more girls and women ended up seeing Stand By Me than boys saw I, I bet, uh, I bet now that's and then true. Yeah. because of our true. <laughs> sexist gendered society yeah. and the way movies are marketed. And I think this would have been like, you know, had all the ads with like little dissolves of the girls smiling and laughing, you know, whatever. Yeah. It just would have been like a girl's movie or a women's film. Yeah. Um, so, which I think is a shame because even though it does tell the experience of girls and women, it is this the stuff that you're dealing with when you're 11 or 12 years old it's the same is universal yeah. and they are dealing with death and divorce and realizing your parents are not you know gods yeah <laughs> that they <laughs> that they make mistakes that they're human that you know friendships can be tested in different ways i mean it's all stuff that i think anybody growing up would respond to and i feel like it probably didn't get because of our our sexist gender society, <laughs> it probably I, I I just wish a lot more people had probably seen it. But I, that said, it was what number two or number three at the box office when it came out. So what do I? It know? was number two. Yeah, it opened at number two between Get Shorty and I guess all I'm seven. really saying yeah. what I can only really say vouch for myself is that I completely missed it. Didn't yeah. think it would be something I'm interested in. 
probably never would have gotten around to seeing it just because there's too many movies I haven't seen. But for this podcast and you yeah. saying, here, watch this thing you've never seen. It's, it's, it's interesting because, like, so 1995 now, it, let's, how, how long ago is that? It's 25, 27 years ago yeah, yeah, now? Yeah, 27 years. So, I mean, like, and that's actually longer than the time period between 1970 and 1991. Yeah. That, that, so we're actually farther away from when now and then came out than, than, you know, the people in the movie were from the, you know, original set of their childhood. Why isn't anybody is, making a movie about us now and then? That's, well, they tried, they tried, um, they tried to do a TV that would have been set in the 90s, a TV show of now Actually and then. Actually ad- ad- adapted from this concept. Yeah, in 2012, and it just didn't make did it. Did they make it? They did never they, made they it. Never it, it the, they never even I think they did a pilot, but it yeah, okay. sort of fell It's a through. pilot that never sold, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so, um, but what, what kind of, like... I didn't realize this other than I read an article a number of years, a couple years ago about, um, uh, like for, for women of my generation. So millennials, um, so my age and a little bit younger, well, you know, up to 10, 15 years younger than me, like it became this like big sort of rent on VHS sleepover party girls night kind of thing that girls would watch because there's like, Wait, well, when they're when they're about that age or, or teenagers? Yeah, yeah. Kind of so thing? I mean, and like, it's interesting because like it's a story of female friendship, which there weren't a whole lot of movies like that anyway. But the real sort of like thing is it had the heartthrob of the day, which was Devin Sawa is his name. He's the blonde. Who is that? Yeah, but I don't know who that so is. So he was uh, the a couple years before Christina Ricci, or maybe just the year before, was in Casper, and he played the hot version of Casper. That, um, so he was like a big heartthrob for like teens and tweens in so the nineties. I didn't have a subscription to Tiger Beat. <laughs> yeah. I've never, literally never heard <laughs> I, of this so person. So I, I didn't know about this either because he wasn't, he wasn't one of my, you know, um, but there's a scene where the, they're hanging out by a, a river or a pond or a lake or something. And these like nemesis boys that they have, you know an ongoing rivalry rivalry rivalry. with they're like skinny dumping in this pond. So the girls come and steal their clothing and like run off with it. And so like, which by the way is payback for some shit that the guys pulled. So they're naked and like the girls are like throwing their clothes towards them and making them like run to come get them. And anyway, there's a scene where one of the boys like runs up to the camera that's like on the ground and reaches for his underwear that's on the ground. And like, so all the girls were like, you know, like would spend all this time like trying to figure out whether you can see his penis or not. Um, so it was like lots of screaming and like rewind and fast forward. And I don't remember this. I didn't do this. I, I don't know. But I do remember like we used to do this with there were a couple movies, not that we're trying to see anyone's penis, but like watching makeout scenes over and over again. And I think I may mention kind of embarrassing. <laughs> one of them was Big Top Pee Wee. I think you mentioned this on the show <laughs> and I don't know what And the show. other one was Grease. That we would like rewind the kissing scenes over and Greece, over again. Grease or Grease Two? Grease. Oh. Like we would rent it on okay. VHS and watch Grease. We watch Grease all the time. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So I mean, now you understand why I enjoy camp so much because this is my childhood is Big Top Pee Wee and Grease. Um. Yeah, that'll do something to a person. <laughs> 
Um, so, but I, I remember that, that like when you're trying to Jesus, like, Pee-wee's like playhouse too. So like, you know, your, your parents think you're watching like a wholesome movie and it is a wholesome movie, but, but when they're like, out of the room, the, you're trying to freeze frame, freeze to frame and see if you can see this guy's weenus, you know? So, okay. um, apparently it's a, like a big like thing for, for women and, and like, a, there's like whole, um, articles been written where they like talk to women about this sort of like early sort of sexual awakening because it's like the heartthrob of the da- day and you know he's naked freeze frame some naked yeah. uh, Devin Sawa <laughs> or whatever his name is and um so anyway it's it's interesting but the other thing that like women really identified with is because the four women represent different archetypes which is like now sort of set in stone like thanks to sex in the city like so it would be like which character do you identify with oh that's funny because we were just joking and i said that yeah well because when the it we we didn't really mention the the structure i mean i guess it's probably implied by now and then but the frame story is them is uh uh two of them coming back to town yeah to for a reunion in in their hometown and it's uh it's which ones are coming back it's melanie griffith who's now a an actress teeny and and the writer Demi uh, moore samantha yes um Um, and so uh, chrissy the chrissy who's rita wilson is pregnant with her first child which Based on the timeline of the story, it seems like she's having a child a little late. But That's anyway, fine. she, she yeah. can do that. Because <laughs> um, they would be in their like mid 30s at this point, and I think. Roberta Rosie O'Donnell is an OBGYN. And she's a doctor in their, still in the hometown. And then um, Melanie Griffith, who plays Teeny, is a big star. She's won acting awards. Um, Samantha is a famous writer or a writer. I don't know how famous she is. She's a sci-fi writer. She's got which hard... is cool. Yeah. Actually, we've I... got a female sci-fi writer. I'm into I that. I actually think they didn't show the cover long enough because no. when they flipped it over, it just read to me like she was writing like women from are from Mars, men are from Venus. That's no. completely backwards. Well, by the way, it I looked think, like a self-help. I think it's book, just but... like the design of the book, but I think it was it, supposed it, to be. It, she's a sci-fi. It writer. is definitely supposed to be sci-fi based yeah. on as a child, as a youngster, youngster. What am I yeah. like? Ninety years. Old, yes, I'm, I'm crazy. Pete, um, I'm crazy, Pete. crazy, Pete. crazy Dave. Um, yeah, her room is all sci fi, yeah, fantasy and horror and stuff like that. That's it's right. Great. She's like the kid reads Bradbury and all that. Well, and see, all of that is really subtle because, like, it really doesn't focus on their individual interests that much. It actually focuses more on their relationships to each other. Um, like it's almost as if those like interests and they don't matter in the in the scheme of their relationships to each other. Yeah. But Although that that's kind of a theme is like this is the last summer that they really spend as this sort of united group and then people start going drift off away. into their the own. The way you grow apart and drift away and maybe go to a different school or yeah. your interests take you apart or you start to have boyfriends yeah. and that kind of thing. But what I was going to say about being introduced to the characters first as the grown-ups. Yeah. Is like we're we're I'm piecing it together for the yeah. first time. I'm like, oh, so she's an actress, yeah, and um, she's a writer. Oh, look at her writer outfit, right? Yeah. She looks like Annie Hall or something. I don't know if she's got a. a I would dress. I, I like her outfit. <laughs> so it's Demi Moore. <laughs> this is my in, favorite Demi in, Moore in, <laughs> outfit. Yeah, in a man suit and yeah. all that kind of thing, and and uh, with the little glasses yeah. and her hair done in that sort of braid, yeah, like Heidi braids, Heidi braids put up. Yeah. And, uh, and, but, but we looked at each other and no, you said, you said, these are the possible job careers for a woman, <laughs> actress, writer, homemaker, and, and, and OBGYN. And, right. 
And I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like they're archetypes. But now, so it's funny that you're saying that it, they they're commonly read as archetypes. Yeah. So Samantha's kind of the like quiet, serious writer. Uh, you know, her family's splitting up. Um, then we have um, as a child. As a child, Roberta, whose mother died in a car accident, we find out mm-hmm. um, sometime prior to. Um, Maybe when she was quite young, actually. Um, and she's sort of like... I think they said she was six, because I remember yeah. we made a comment like, oh, he didn't want to tell you when you were six that it took an hour and a half okay, for, I don't, for your mother to die. I think die. I was just making a comment. Okay. I didn't know actually what age she was when, when oh, it happened. see, I believed you. You can just fake but, it. But Roberta is a tomboy, and um, she doesn't like her feminine... She, like, tapes down her boobs and... You know, she, she she's developing faster than the other girls. The other girls. It, it's all sort of just around puberty. And yeah. Twelve years oldish, eleven, twelve, twelve-ish. Twelve, I believe. Yeah. And then uh, Teeny is already. She's sort of like jaded. Her parents are like involved in the. They're always out having parties and stuff like that at the country club. She never sees them. I think she's the really ice storm is basically yeah. taking place downstairs. downstairs. They're having like a key party or something. <laughs> I don't know. It just looked like a swingers party going on downstairs. Well, it's interesting to me, too, is like they have all these like sort of glimpses into life that was going on in this small town in the 70s. Yeah. And like it's like whole other movies that could be happening like the like the ice storm, you know, a key party sort of thing. Um, and then... Um, uh, Chrissy um, has uh, her mom is Bonnie Hunt. Um, oh, that's who that yeah, was. Yeah, it's Bonnie Hunt. Um, okay, but her mom is like super uptight, homemaker kind of thing, um, and kind of infantile. In, how do you say that? Kind of treats her like a child. Yeah. Um, when she asks about sex, she gives, well, gives her a very protected, ridiculous like story about gar- gardens and watering, watering hoses. Wa- watering hoses, yeah. Big watering hoses, I think she says. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of embarrassing later when she uh, tells what she knows yeah. to the other friends and they look at her like, uh, your mom lied. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's interesting, like, one of the things that comes up is there's, like, clear, even within the friend group where everybody is together, like, there's some clear, like, alliances between, like, um, Teeny and Roberta. Sorry, not Teeny and Roberta. Teeny and... Tina and Sam kind of have a um, okay a closer relationship, and Roberta and Chrissy kind of have a closer relationship. Yeah, is that right? I think so. Well, Chrissy considers yeah. Roberta to be her best friend, and she's the one who gets really mad and decks her. Yeah, when Roberta pretends to drown in the in the lake. Yeah. And they all pull her out after doing a stupid dive off a tree in water that's really too shallow. shallow And they warn her about it. She does it anyway. And then she disappears. Yeah. They're waiting for her to come up. She never does. And then they see her floating (laughs) down river and they pull her out and like going to give her mouth to mouth. And and Chrissy's the only one who will do the mouth to mouth. Everyone else begs off. It's like, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. And then, of course, uh, Roberta like opens her eyes and spits water in her face. It's yeah. like, ah, ha, 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 I got you guys. And um, Chrissy punches her out. Yeah. And is so it's mad. It's kind of dark. I mean, that whole, that's the, there's a New York Times article so that's like, this movie this is darker than... This whole movie is kind you... of dark. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to go back to the loose connection of Stand By Me, that movie was also about death. It was yeah. about the four boys. They go on a journey, on a journey, right? Mm. To go find a dead body yeah that 
uh, of a kid who is hit by a train or something like that. Oh, wow. And so that's their their summer of coming of age is like facing actually going to find. You know, the, I know I've body. seen it, but it's been so long that I just didn't even re- remember. I remember the leech scene. That's about it. I remember from. Yeah, Stand well, by you me. know, I would never show that movie to Kai, my mm. my younger kid, because um, leech scene. Yeah. And there's a terrible throwing up scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's actually in... It, it's... Okay, if you want to go archetypes and, like, the template here is, like, the same because yeah. it's it's got... Um, Will Wheaton plays the writer character. Yeah. And he... He always entertains his friends by telling story, like he's yeah. the storyteller. And one of the stories he tells, it's a short story that he wrote, but yeah. but they actually portray the the story he wrote about a terrible pie eating contest uh-huh. where everybody throws up, and that's how the kid gets revenge. Anyway, interesting. My kid is uh, that never, never, yes. never would ever. They don't like pie anyway. Emetophobic or something. Me- like yeah, whatever it is, yeah. fear of throwing. Anyway, hey. That's the kind of fact we can give you on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my my point, if there is one, was that it's also about death. Yeah. That, but that, in a way, this movie, now and then, female friendships, girls growing up, the fact that they talk about their emotions in a way that I don't think the boys do as much in Stand By Me, it's, it is a darker film. There's a lot of darkness yeah. in the movie and a lot of real painful emotions um, which of them is uh, uh, their parents are getting divorced? It's Samantha, and it's ni- divorce in 1970, which you know that's actually a little bit before I was born. But in this movie, it's like nobody. They're they're like nobody in our development has ever been divorced. We're the only ones, and her dad just like leaves in the middle of the night. They never talk to the kids. Yeah. They, he doesn't say goodbye. I, the mom doesn't say they're getting divorced. That it it feels like she doesn't even mention it. Yeah. I mean, I know we're not seeing every scene, but it seems like it's never really, like, the parents didn't really talk to the kids about what was going well, on. Well, and the one thing that Samantha says, like, in the intro is, like, she's writing in her journal and she's like, you know, my parents fight every night, um, but I don't mind. It's comforting. <laughs> I was like, okay, wow, that's okay. a little dark, but okay. <laughs> like, one of the opening lines from Samantha well, <laughs> that's weird because that also connects with that whole like we have to stay together because of the kids it's better yeah. for us to be together and screaming at each other yeah. than than to get to split up well which I, don't I mean think is true. I think a lot of people have mixed you know in anyway, we're not here to like discuss the politics of divorce and what it does to kids um but uh that's next week yeah <laughs> we'll do the ice storm or well, um, i don't think that has a divorce no we'll do the squid and the whale squid and the whale oh or the ma- marriage story we could do that one too you haven't seen kramer versus kramer i haven't seen kramer versus kramer i don't so. know that i'm gonna pick it but <laughs> I, 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 it is it's an idea yeah. i like kramer versus kramer anyway uh yeah yeah and <laughs> what was it's i talking a- about uh, the last thing I remember is how dark this movie is. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, of course we have Christina Ricci's character kind of breaking down about the fact that Roberta breaking down about the fact that like her mom isn't around, um, you know, that it's not fair that like everybody has to die. And it's, it's like, I guess, I guess what it made me think of is that like this movie is like people, children's, coming into a world where they're starting to learn 
like the sort of magicalness of the world, magical thinking is going away and it's replaced with the sort of like colder reality of things, you know, that there's... Um, and which, your favorite, existential dread. I mean, your first, yeah, um, your first kind of fear that, you know, you're really actually pretty vulnerable and the people you love can die and your parents can split up and the world is a lot scarier than yeah. you probably realize it is. yeah. That that idea of what is stable and what's not. I'm just surprised that there are children that make it that far. I did not make it that far. I mean, I remember watching the Muppet movie where the Muppet movie, the Muppet, oh, Muppets Take Manhattan, where the Muppets had to split up. Yeah. And I burst into tears, oh, you know, because it's so the, sad. But like, I, I don't know, this movie is. You're like, they can't be Muppet friends together. They have to like. <laughs> if I think about the kids movies that I watch in yeah. the 80s and early 90s up until this point, they didn't deal with the reality of being human in the way that this movie does. Because like all the movies I watched when I kid are like freaking Rats of Nim and like Gelflings and, um, you know, scary David Bowie stealing your so baby brother. You and should, <laughs> You should write a film studies book about how dark 80s movies for kids and, and tweens are. Yeah. Because all of these movies that you just mentioned, plus this one, are really dark. Well... But the thing is, to me, like, the kind of darkness that we're experiencing in, like, Never Ending Story or Labyrinth or Mrs. Frimby and the Nat- Rats of Nim, Nats of the Rim. The movie's called The Secret of Nim. Secret of Nim. Um, it's the book, I guess, that's yeah, called that. But called. this is, like, real. I mean, like, they're, they're, I mean, especially if you grew up in a small town, you'd probably be familiar with this particular, you know, or in, in a suburb, um of a larger town, it would have looked like this kids riding around. I mean, we did this in the nineties, riding around our bikes, going to the video store, going to the convenience store, you know, um, you know, just hanging around doing stuff, going to, going to the library, I guess, you know? Um, well, and I had an urban childhood. I grew up in San yeah. Francisco proper, but back then, like I lived on a block that was full of family. It was yeah. all families with yeah. the 2.2 kids or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so we grew up in the backyard climbing trees mm. and riding bikes around and going over to the next block and maybe with an older kid going up, walking to the mall yeah. and stuff like that. So we did have some of that. Well, I, I kind of wonder like, cause your kids I think are very different, but like, I mean like in the summertime, when we were out of school, like, we got, we we left the house in the morning, you mm-hmm. know, 11 in the morning or yeah, whatever yeah. you get up. And, like, we were out on our bikes with our friends. Maybe we'd come home and watch TV, but, like, you know, dad was at work. Mom was, I mean, my mom worked at home, but she had her own space. Yeah. And so, like... Like, officially, you wouldn't, like, interact with your parents until dinner time, really. Like, my mom had a rule that we had to come home before the streetlights came on uh, in the summertime. But, I mean, like, we were just, like, out in the world, like, doing stuff. Like, my brother was poking cats with sticks and, you know. Dead cats with sticks. Yeah, dead cats with sticks. You ride up to Mr. Kim's, uh, the local convenience store. and Maybe you you guys grew up in a Stephen King book. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, this. (laughs) that's the thing is, like, I think that this is really recognizable for... I mean, at least like older to mid millennials, like the the world still felt like yeah. like it did in nineteen seventy. We didn't have cell phones, um, you know. We didn't. I mean, like, so you just kind of like well, roamed around. I really and, loved. I'm sorry, I don't want to yeah. change the point too much, but I did like the anachronisms of like 
what life was like yeah. back then and remembering, oh, if you needed to find information, you can't, you, there's no Google. You've yeah. got to ride your bikes an hour, hour and a half away and go to the library and look up. The county giant, library. They, had, they couldn't do they the local the library. County, they had to do the county library. county library to look up all the bound <laughs> newspapers. Yeah. Thank God it wasn't microfiche, but... Well, um, that, I, I was just thinking, because 1970 would have been before, but yeah. like, because <laughs> we're some, librarians, I'm talking about this, but I was like, you're looking at the bound newspapers, which are already yellowing and brittle because they're ch- made on cheap paper. Yeah. That's why we had to move to microfilm and microfiche, because the paper was so brittle that it would just fall apart. You I know? think we didn't give them enough credit yeah. because when they first go there, we're like, what are they going to do? Just randomly flip through all of the <laughs> the bound things, just hoping to... Because there's a, there's a whole mini plot, whatever, an a, a C plot or something yeah. about them trying to figure out what happened to... Um, was it Dearest Johnny? D- Dear Johnny, yeah. Dearest Johnny, it's a great... It's a boy who died the same age they were in 1945. And they're, they're into like, kind of like, in that preteen sort of way they're interested in like tarot and the occult and they go to the graveyard to try and do seances and seances and and there's a the grave of a a kid who died when he was 12 and so they became kind of they become kind of it's their little side project of the summer kind of obsessed with figuring out what happened to johnny that he died so young and they're trying to they think they've contacted his his spirit but that's the what takes them to the county library yeah but yes we didn't give them much credit because I think they actually did go to the right year and the right months. So, yeah, we had a date. It was June 1945. So they could have gone to the June 1945. And um, Roberta, is it Roberta, clearly goes and pulls down the one from the time her, her mom, mom died. died. That's on purpose. Yeah. She grabbed that that volume and that and finds it. It's not that. accidental. She actually pulled it out on I purpose. I know. You, I mean, you right. You, <laughs> it's kind of like, why would she happen to turn to the page about it? It's because she was looking for looking that. Looking for that, yeah. And um, she hasn't really i mean how do you process it i was gonna say she probably dad doesn't talk about it very much well in that newspaper article that she reads is like one of the most gruesome descriptions of a a car crash that i've never read i mean like our well was it it was (laughs) it's not even a real kind of article because (laughs) it was telling the gruesome accident but it was also an obituary but you don't write obituaries like that no and then it's like due to privacy or something, the family doesn't. Was that? No, no that's that was the other, the other one. Okay. Yeah, the other that's one was right. also an obituary, but. But yeah. and then you're like, well, that article wouldn't have been in the paper at all because yeah. you you place a, a, a an obituary, so yeah. you wouldn't place a thing <laughs> that says the family wants privacy and is holding <laughs> private service. Whatever. Details. That's how uh, papers make their money, or some of their money is off of obituaries that are submitted by people. But we're also um, technology wise pre uh, pre uh, pre Walkman even yeah. so not even, so they have to have the little they have a transistor radio taped on the or like tied onto their their the their, front of their bike the front of their bike and then they have just freaking kick ass music the whole movie is like all the songs are in this it's all the songs really of the good. time all the songs of that whole kind of ten year period you've got stevie wonder and the jackson five and tony orlando and dawn and the monkeys and nancy sinatra every scene seems to have like a great banger 60s 70s (laughs) hit so So, it's a strong point of the movie yeah it really is i was like wow they spent all this money um on i mean like yeah stevie wonder i forgot about this fantastic song band of gold by fred of pain awesome song has daydream believer on it yeah yeah 
Um, so I was like obnoxiously singing along to all the songs during the thing. It didn't bother me. I miss like th- that's one thing I miss about movies now is they don't have awesome like R and B soundtracks anymore. Like that was like a staple of the nineties, like romantic comedies and stuff like that. Is all these great like well, we all ain't grew, no mountain high enough. But and, we grew up with that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're making movies that look back even just a yeah. little bit, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. The, but the, well, those songs are just. I mean, they just. I mean, like, to use the proper popular vernacular, they slap. Yeah. <laughs> so they just always are good. Yeah. And so, like, you know, why not put them in everything? You know, just Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. All the time, you know. Uh, like, Jackson's 5, I Want You Back is, like, one of the best songs of all time. It's a yeah, fantastic song. Yeah, does that play song. in the softball scene or something? Yeah, I think it does. It's, it's so good. And they're, just... they're really well chosen for the scenes that they're in, too. Um, well, interestingly, the song that the girls are singing together when they're riding on the bikes is uh-huh. um, Knock Three Times. Right. Um, which apparently, like, every like all the girls who watched it back then know, like, by heart. But apparently it came out in 1971. So, uh, and this movie is set in the summer of 1970. So it's a little anachronistic, but... My uh, sister and my mom used to reference that song when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, probably... Three years old, four years old, I remember they would sing that song. It's very weird to me that it came out in 1971 because, like, until I learned that fact, I would have figured it was, like, an early 60s hit. Like, Mm -hmm. Sugar Sugar... Um, you know, or mid mid to early sixties kind yeah. of thing. It sounds more like ten years ago than nineteen seventy one. You know, it seems like by then you'd moved into a different era of music. But um, you know, I think the movie does well with the soundtrack. In a lot of it is implied that they're actually listening to some of yeah. those songs. But of course, you don't need to do that in a movie. A movie we just have the convention where. You know, you do a needle drop on a song during a great scene of kids riding around on bikes or whatever's happening. (laughs) But they also do tie it in as music that they're actually listening to quite a lot, I think. Yeah. Which, it's good. I think, I mean, people used to listen to the radio more than they do now. I mean, like, you know, we've got Spotify. Well, the thing is, is that we can choose what we listen to and, and what we watch in a way that... Like nobody has ever been able to before. I mean, like, you know, you know, back in the day, like if you lived in a small town, there'd be like two radio stations. Those are the only choices. Do you listen to this radio station, which is news or this radio station, which is music? You know, those those are the options, you know. Can we talk a little bit more about is it Chrissy? Chrissy? Chrissy. Ashley Ashton Moore. Mm. They're clearly doing trying to do something with the trope of like the the friend that's kind of fat or yeah. something like that they refer to a lot like a normal but she's child. actually not she's just like and it's just a normal looking child <laughs> i mean she's not exactly the same frame or, or body weight as well, the, as the other Christine girls Ricci's but always been tiny like christina yeah. reach is tiny 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 and so is thora birch at that point is very very small and Gabby Hoffman, I can't even picture in my mind them like all standing together, like how but tall like they if are you look at like when that. they are standing together, they don't look that different. So size wise, you know, Chrissy, this actress, and Chrissy is not a fat girl, and so I don't know. I mean, clearly they wrote that as a theme. Yeah, it's part of what they reference. They have yeah. scenes where she, they have like. They have the scene where she's eating a Twinkie in the front yeah. yard because she has to eat every... She says, I, you know I have to eat every couple hours or my, yeah. my blood sugar gets too low and I get cranky or something like yeah. that. But do... I don't know. Do we need that? Why did... 
it's kind of a cliche. Well, I guess it's not a cliche. Is it an arc? How does it read? I mean, does it read as I, I mean, organic? It like reads, this is... it reads as outdated to me. Uh, it reads as that that was one of the approved things that you can still like tease people about is their weight. Well, even you the know. friends when Chrissy's not there comment sometimes yeah. on her being the heavier one. Well, it's as I don't know if it's like introduced as like some form of diversity like you have three skinny girls and one fat girl you know because it's diverse you know i i don't know it's i mean it's not it's not unusual it's like expected with this sort of thing like it's like because the fat character is always the funny character or the okay you know if you go to archetypes too you have the sort of nerdy bookish one right the one who wants to be the sci-fi writer you have the the one who's ca- kind of already into um, boys and looking sexy, yeah. and the one who grows up to be Melanie Griffith, the starlet. And then you have um, who did I? Who's uh, is it? Roberta's the tomboy. Yeah. Um, not into all of that. She is who she is. Um, yeah. And then the fourth archetype, I guess, is the funny, funny quote. I'm putting stay at in home quote. mom. Yeah. Type, which I that one to well, me they is, didn't make her overweight in any way as grown up as yeah. Rita Wilson playing her. So I think in in a sense that Chrissy is one of the least developed characters. Although she has one of the best scenes where she like you know gives Roberta what for on like the faking her death thing, you know. But and the sort of there's actually that whole middle part for her is really the best part for her because she also has the thing where she expresses these like weird things that her mom has told her about sex mm-hmm. and the girls are trying to explain to her what a hard on is. And you know, yeah. that's like amusing. So and, I think that that's done well. Yeah. And the, another, another role for her to play in the story is the, is the, the mother, the, the maternal more protected, yeah. um, coddled, protected, naive. Yeah more ignorant of the of the things that the other girls are already aware of yeah and so you know she's the one that the other ones are like telling you know here's what the deal really is yeah you know you have the friend who actually tells you how sex works (laughs) but (laughs) i kind of wonder if like the for the author like that character was harder for them to understand you know because like obviously she's the person who wrote this is a writer, you know, so yeah. she understood. It's actually told from the writer's perspective for the most part. We're hearing Debbie Moore's voiceover throughout as sort of the overarching thing that mm-hmm. ties everything together. Um, so, you know, maybe there's just an issue of not understanding, you know, what is driving Chrissy's character in the same way that they might understand what's driving Tina's character, Roberta's character. Um, interesting thing about Roberta is like Roberta reads queer to me. That's the Christina Ricci slash Rosie O'Donnell. And like, and then to also, I mean, I don't think Rosie O'Donnell was out yet. I meant to look that up because I was curious if that would have influenced where they were going with. I I think it was maybe, I don't know, probably around the same time, but like Roberta, I think, and I, I read this was originally written as a queer character. Um, that's why I'm glad you yeah. did research because yeah. I wouldn't have known that that was actually well, I mean, like the whole, intended like, at some point. Like the, you know, the binding of her boobs, the not interested. I mean, not that every girl who, who, who experiences that, you know, cause I did not particularly enjoy my, um, development of anything, um, either, 
<laughs> but um, but I, 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 but anyway, the studio didn't like that. So like, I don't have any evidence for this, but in the movie, Roberta is the one that shares a kiss with the heartthrob. So you think almost they end up overcompensating to sort of say. Yeah. To, to kind of dismiss that idea or shut it down before you even think yeah. about it. Yeah, so I, my guess is that I feel like Samantha as a child is a little bit underserved by the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like her story just isn't as told as much. So I suspect originally that that kiss was supposed to happen between Samantha and the boy. And they switched it but to Christina. But you Christ- think as a smokescreen to make sure that um, Christina Ricci doesn't read as gay, that yeah. they gave her the, well, the kiss with the heartthrob? And, like, if you think about who was famous then, Christina Ricci had just had a big hit with Casper, so she was clearly the big star of this film, you know. Okay, you know what? I just want to say, <laughs> Christina Ricci was, like, a star from the moment she appeared on the screen, because mm-hmm. the first thing I think she did and that I remember her from to this day was Mermaids, where she was the... Mm-hmm. where she must have been... Eight years old yeah, or seven something or eight, like that. Little bitty. She was so good. Had such a mouth on her. Had so much character and personality. Like that movie. Like you have to to be against Cher and Winona Ryder. Oh, such a <laughs> such a good cast. They worked. What great casting of a family. Yeah. Anyway, not to go off on that. I, I loved Christina Ricci back then, and I'm surprised. I, I don't. I don't even think I saw Casper like with my kids or anything at yeah. any point when they were younger so and i i mean like i would have seen her in mermaids i would have seen her in adam's family adam's family yes she's i mean like wednesday like iconic forever wednesday adams so i mean like i want to say when i watched this i probably would have wanted to associate more with with roberta's storyline but i wasn't a tomboy like that i I really Mm -hmm. wasn't i was more i was i was I was more of a Samantha than I... I'm, like, not a Samantha. <laughs> Which one are you saying you were more of? Uh, Gabby Hoffman's character. The writer? The, the writer, one, Demi Moore. The one who would yeah, I probably would have been more like that than... Yeah. Well, that was definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I even grew up. I think I still am that character. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could actually be at home in her, her childhood bedroom with yeah. the, like, sci-fi stuff up and... <laughs> so, when this film came out, um the 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 critics they didn't like it so much okay can i (laughs) i i I don't want to lose your point there but i'm gonna give you a take on this movie one of the i guess it's a negative criticism Mm. and i'm gonna put it out there and and to talk about um but but first i want to say like i really liked the movie yeah and i think that and so the point i want to make is i think the actual main story which is the girls when they're young is so strong and Mm. so well developed it's all that we need yep and i actually don't think that the structure of the the frame story with these big names like demi moore melanie griffith rosie o'donnell rita wilson adds anything at all to the movie yeah i don't think their their characters are you can stop me if i'm being a jerk or anything but no can i i don't think that their characters read as anything more than one-dimensional, flat, telegraphed, they give me nothing. And I don't, like, I feel like they needed to... I So to to tell you how ignorant I was of the movie, I don't even think I'd seen a trailer or anything like Mm. that. I literally thought this movie, when it was starting, was going to cut back and forth the whole time. And and that's how I remembered it, but it doesn't do that. And it doesn't do that. And (laughs) probably about... 
probably after the first hour, I realized, oh, we're not ever going we're just back stuck there. stuck in the past We're now. not going back. Well, I didn't feel stuck because, <laughs> yeah. again, yeah. I'm really enjoying the yeah. movie that we're in. Um, so I have I've made some headcanon about yeah. this. Um, and what, and I don't know. And of course I didn't do any production research or development research, but I would say looking at the movie that they actually made and the fact that they got these big names in it and then didn't do anything with them. I feel like the movie they wanted to make was the story about the girls, but that nobody would green light a movie like that in even now. In 1995. Probably even now it would be hard to say we're making a movie for girls and young women um, or, you know... Sister did the traveling pants. Okay, so they... They made three of them, I think, right. or two of them. Yeah. Hold that thought, because okay. I want to hear what some of this... Yeah. What this went on influencing. But I, but to me, it feels like it's such a mismatch in terms of the quality of the, the, the now versus the then that I would be... And I may be totally wrong, but I bet that they wanted to do this... The, the movie that we love, the, the one about yeah. the girls... But they had to attach grown-up, big-name box office people like Demi Moore and Melanie Griffith to get this thing greenlit, and then they didn't really yeah. do anything with them. And I don't—that may not be true at all. But I don't even understand why. No, those... I I agree with you entirely. I don't think I think the excuse of their childhood friend giving birth to a baby is a weird, flimsy excuse to get people who have busy like writing and acting jobs back to their hometown. Well, that's not a, a thing. You don't come back wig- at when your friend is giving birth. No, no, that's you don't do a, that. That's not a reason. Not even yeah, it's it their husband is in the room with them, not their weird friends from high I, school that they haven't seen in I, 10 years. I think the other problem I have is like I really like how well written the girls are yeah. and they're completely three-dimensional flesh and blood all got all the emotions and all the personality and it's actually very disappointing to see how it just they just is here's the writer here's the actress there's no complexity or nuance to it there's no feeling that you don't feel like the characters that you see in Demi Moore or Melanie Griffith have the history of those girls or, or what their entire life would be it's like the movie is just like when you're young, you decide what you're going to be. And then you are that person when you grow yeah. up. And I don't know any, but I mean, there's very few people who are on that clear trajectory. Well, I think if they had done it, it could have been structured differently to give the older women a problem that they needed to to get to the I bottom thought, of. I thought like, they were going to have a problem. Chrissy's husband died and they were helping her deal with that, that makes a lot more sense. It's really weird because usually the... the Or her mother died the or now, something. Usually the convention would be... And I, I know we don't have to make conventional yeah. movies and everything's the same, but normally it would be the now story would be the main story yeah. and you would occasionally flash back to, to provide some light and context to who they are now by yeah. showing some of these glimpses of who they were then. But instead you have this weird thing where you have them all show up like very like um, like it's a costume party or something. The way that Demi Moore is her writer outfit and Melanie Griffith is you know the legs and the the you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. the bombshell and she's and, dressed like Sharon Stone. And <laughs> I just I feel, I felt I feel let down by that yeah. part of it. No, I and I agree, and I think that that might you know. I've taken issue with how Roger Ebert has addressed some of my favorite films 
uh, including and especially Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which like I can't compare the two movies. Fast Time at Ridgemont High is a brilliant film. It's obviously much better than than Now and Then, but he had I think a similarly like gut negative reaction to seeing you know women and girls act like people <laughs> that make oh. mistakes and well, now I'm. Now I'm glad that I didn't read his review before. Well, I'm, yeah. now I'm curious to read it, but I'm actually really disappointed because for most of my, you know, for decades, I, Roger Ebert was one of the reviewers I always wanted to read and was on the same page a lot of the time. And um, when he gets it wrong, he really, really gets it wrong. And it's like it must just trigger something personal for him because yeah. he completely loses his mind on Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's completely wrong about Blue Velvet. Yeah. And it sounds like he's wrong on this, well, too. Well, so he, I mean, like, he compares it to, which is a film that I used to watch and enjoy. He compares it to Man in the Moon and Stand By Me. And he says that Stand By Me is, like, more psychologically sound. And that might be true. The structure is better for Stand By Me. Um, I used to watch Man in the Moon, but he, like, praised it for its truthful storytelling. And that, in comparison, the film was a gimmicky sitcom. But, like, Man in the Moon is, like, a really depressing film. Um, I like Man on the Moon. I know I like it, but it's, I mean, like, I don't know. And I did watch it multiple times. I think it's similar. Yeah. It's, again, a coming-of-age story. Yeah. It's a girl's coming-of-age story. Uh, it's not a friendship story. No, it is. It's, it's about sisters. It's Reese Witherspoon. Who plays um, the... Is Reese Witherspoon the younger sister? Reese Witherspoon's the main character. Okay, and then there's a younger sister. I don't remember. I just remember Reese Witherspoon and the guy. Because it's... That one is similar in structure to um, the um, Atonement. Oh. Maybe with I the younger sister it. and the, the older sister's okay. having the relationship well, with... Reese Witherspoon is the... Is the viewpoint character. Yeah. I think. The one who's who has a crush on the boy. On the boy, yeah. And the boy is, uh, <laughs> it's one of the London twins, and I can never remember which one. Jason London or Justin London. Okay. I can never tell them apart. <laughs> one of them's in Dazed and Confused. One of them's in this, maybe the same yeah. one. One of them was uh, Nev Campbell's boyfriend on Party of Five. Mm. They look identical. They are identical twins. They're twins. And I've never, I never know which one is which. <laughs> They're handsome, though. So, I mean, like, I think that that it clearly, I mean, and like, you know, when people go back and look at things, like, this is really sort of a, a touchstone movie for a lot of people who, you know, my age and a little bit younger, you know, because it, you know, it was telling stories about someone their age, you know, which there weren't a whole lot of films about that. I think another one that's sort of, which I thought about doing instead, but I'm actually glad that we did this one instead, is My Girl um, mm. which has a female point of view character, but is actually about her friendship with a boy, a neighborhood mm -hmm. boy. And actually, it's it's a coming-of-age thing, too, and that's also a big... And I think more, you know, not just girls, but also boys saw that film because it had Macaulay Culkin in it, mm -hmm. um, who was sort of, you know, big, big because of Home Alone, so it probably had a lot more crossover stuff. Plus, there was, you know... Um, you've, ne you've never seen it, so I don't want to spoil no, it. No, I haven't but, seen it. Yeah, um... There There's was, a tragic death in it. Yes, I've, yes. I've, it's I've, like Bridges to Terabithia. I've, I've lived a yeah. number of seasons on this earth, Bridge and, I, and I have picked up that there's a very sad and traumatic death. Yeah. And I've never seen Terabithia. Much either. like the second season of Bridgerton. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's the same kind of death. Um. um. <laughs> oh. Okay, you just gave away <laughs> some stuff now. Because I, I am familiar with Bridgerton. Well, I mean, so that, that film was also kind of... But now I, I'm going to laugh, though. Because <laughs> that was funny. Okay, sorry. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it means a lot to to women to have their stories told in a way that's identifiable and real and depict relationships that are important and, you know... Um, Unfortunately, I, I don't think there was a lot of that, which is why so many of us sort of latched onto this. And then, you know, as they occasionally discover, oh, you know, women like movies that are about them and tell their stories. And so then they make Sister to the Traveling Pants and they... How much later is that? Um, I want to say it's after college, about 10 years later. Yeah. Um, had America Ferreira in it. And, oh, I didn't um, know she was in that. Um Blonde girl from Gossip Girl, um, married. That's another show I never saw. Um, I forget. Uh, oh, and Alexis Bledel is in that. Um, Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Rory. I forget who the fourth sister is. America Ferreira. Oh, uh, so, Amber Tamblyn is the fourth. How do you, oh, I yeah. like Amber Tamblyn. So, um, how do you think that movie compares to this one? As far as a, I think a it's film about female friendship. Structurally, it's... I mean, that one was based on a book. Yeah. And so structurally, it makes sense. It has the frame story of these the, these four friends with very different body shapes. They find a magic pair of pants that magically fits them all. And so they, like, send... If the, only. The, they spend the summer apart, so they send the pants. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody gets a turn with the pants. With the pants during their vacation, you know, because they're magic pants? They're magic pants okay. that, you know, because everybody's... What do they think the properties of the pants are that they want to send it to the other, that somebody gets a turn No, like, they, so they're, they're four different friends and, like, you know, they're different sizes and body shapes and each of them tries on this. It's the same pair of pants. It fits them all. But why are they sending magic. it to each other? They're magic pants. But why are they sending it to each other? Because everybody, they're lucky pants, I guess. Okay, I don't that's what I was it. asking. Yeah. I was like, what's the, what's the justification for them mailing pants to each other? Yes. It's not usually a thing. So, I mean, that was a good, that was a good film. Um, there was another one I was going to, oh, um, America Ferrera's great um, film, if you haven't seen it. We should watch it tell on the show. Uh, uh, Real Women Have Curves, which is, oh, I believe, America's oh, first um, I would like to see first that again. Film. I and she's fantastic. It, I saw it when it yeah. came out. Yeah. So. Probably in the theater and never again. So yeah. I would like to see that again. That's so, funny. I guess I, I guess I didn't realize who... I, I saw that so long ago that it's only now that I know who America Ferrera was. And, I, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was her. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize that was her That was for some reason. That was like one of the films, like, it's like, same thing with like My Big Frat Greek Wedding, which is not my favorite film, but I know that it was so popular and like, because it was telling a story that people wanted to see and it like, it was just this like small indie film and it turned into this massive thing. And So they, was this really, this really genuinely the first coming-of-age female friendship movie? I I don't know the answer to so, that. I can't think of another I know one. that we had... Um, you had, like, women's genre... Yeah. This genre of sort of women's movies. And I, I'm not trying to use that disparagingly. Yeah. But 
in the 80s, was it the 80s, early 90s, you had these things like Steel Magnolias and... Which I... I let me tell you, I just watched Steel... And I read uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, Steel Magnolias, watched constantly when I was a kid. Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah. Those are the ones that come to mind. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a few things like that where it mostly focuses on them as older women, although yeah. Fried Green Tomatoes does do a back and forth. Doesn't it have them young and... Yeah, or? young and older. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is the... I couldn't think of any. I didn't. Even, I hadn't seen traveling pants, so that, yeah. of course that didn't come to mind. But I, I, I wrote down like, what other movies are like this? I don't know of movies about girls coming of age where there's not a male, you know, a boy character to yeah. kind of like. Let's make That's sure that we get boys to come see this movie too. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything. I'm just like most. Like I said, most of the stuff I watched in the '80s was all like, I you mean, know, sci-fi fantasy. Scary I, I really stuff. feel like somebody said, well, the dads will come to the movie if we put in Demi Moore, Melanie Griffith, and all those people. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, maybe, maybe so. Um, they were really big then. Yeah, yeah, they were. Demi Moore, I think, was probably of the highest caliber at, at that it, particular point. Although So, her uh, hair was really long there, so I don't... It would have been a while after... Yeah, but she was, like, you know, one of the number one... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, women actors of the time. Yeah. I don't know where this falls in her thing, but she was like box office, like huge for a yeah. while, for ten years or so, I think. Um. So yeah, I mean, this movie stood out to me because I, I feel it's a shame that that you can count on one hand the movies that try and even do this. It's kind of ridiculous. But it's a good example of one, and it seems like it's one of the first. Yeah. It's it's weird to think back to that. I mean, like, you wonder, like, you, like, wonder why you didn't realize, <laughs> like, you didn't, you're so brainwashed by culture that you didn't even realize that you're not seeing yourself represented. Because, like, I, I until, until we're sitting here talking about it, like, I, I mean, because, like, I mean, like, you're right. I don't think, like, structurally as a film, like, there are some really enjoyable moments, but overall, the piece of film itself is not, like, the best caliber. Actually, I think some of the lines that are written for the older people are kind of terrible. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I felt like I was harsh enough yeah. already. Yeah. But I did want to say... It's almost insulting. Yeah. Some of the sort of I want to say wonders years esque kind yeah. of that's you know what I mean. Yeah. They give Demi more. They put in her mouth. They explicitly have her tell you what we just saw in yeah. such a vapid, awful, like simplified way. Yeah. You know where somebody's telling you the theme of the movie. Yeah. And it's just awful. Yeah. It didn't need any narration. No. It didn't need the frame story, in my opinion. And I. I actually love all of those actresses. Yeah. I think they're all fantastic. I I like Melanie Griffith in lots of things. Yeah. Um, like Something Wild, still one of my favorites. Um, but, uh, so it's nothing, they're not given anything to no. work with. They're not given, they're basically given um, a couple hours in the makeup and hair and costume and then put out there to just read a few lines. They're not given complete characters. 
I didn't get any sense that they actually are those people. Yeah. That they don't feel like the grown-up versions of those people. In some ways, there is some resemblance. I, I can see kind of a... You can see a Gabby Hoffman be, turning into a kind of a Demi more like, just in terms of physically or, and the dark look yeah. with the hair and all that kind of stuff. But they did not... It did not... You'd almost feel like they weren't even given the rest of the script. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't feel like they have that history. Yeah. Which is sad, I think. Well, it's it's interesting. I was a little scared to watch this because I was afraid there wouldn't be a lot to talk about because I think I distinctly remember that there must have been a reason that I stopped watching it at some point. You know? Yeah, do you know what it is? I, I think it's that. It's that it's just not a fun... Like, especially the, the outside framing story is not fun to get into. It's I mean, like, literally when we were watching it, the first, like first entry scene with the adult characters I was like cringing at some I was like I hope it's not all like this and then once you get into the story of the younger girls then it's it goes away and it becomes much more natural and the the dialogue is better and not so cliche I was a little worried I was like I don't know I saw for some reason I know you liked her look but the way I saw that they did Ryder with Demi Moore and kind of made her up to look like that just felt I don't know. I was no, worried. I just I, like the outfit. I, I don't. Was, I think it was cliched and I silly. I was worried, and she's I'm, like chain smoking. She kind of dressed like uh, Charlie Chaplin in The Tramp or something like that. <laughs> it's like her outfit is very. Um, um, and I, I, I told you, she looks like what Mia Farrow would look like in a movie where she plays a writer by you know in a Woody Allen movie yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Actually, she did kind of look like Mia Farrow in Zelig, where she yeah. plays the psychiatrist from the 20s or something. Yeah. She's got the same braided hair and the little glasses and the, and kind of the suit sort of thing. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting where they put their time and energy because like they spent all this time like on this excellent set design in the girls' bedrooms. Like I think that Oh, we should have spent more time yeah, there. Like and and then the costumes that the girls are wearing they're like period accurate and they say a little bit about each of their personalities about how they're dressing you know um you know it's that that part of it seems like a fully developed world and then the the frame story just feels like not real (laughs) i i still liked the movie and i still think it's a good film i think that i forgive the the weakness of the the frame story because i connect so much more with what i feel like is actually the story of the film well and i think that um, i mean there's maybe five to seven minutes of adult stuff or 10 minutes at the most a footage, I yeah. mean, literally on screen time of, of them as adults. There's got to be like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's 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 and not so more than 10 we minutes. We really are, we, you really can almost talk about this as just being the other movie. And I kind of want to think of it as just being the other movie. Well, I kind of, yeah, I wonder. I mean, and, and probably when I was younger, I just, I wouldn't have even thought about the adult thing. I mean, but. Because, like, from a child, from a 12-year-old or 14-year-old child's perspective... that they're simplistic. Or... Yeah, they they just seem okay. Because you don't have any understanding of what it's like to be an adult and, mm-hmm. and what the adult world looks like or no. anything like that. You're grown up and you have a job yeah. and you smoke cigarettes and So you're and like, you okay, well, this is... You know... Just accept this story and then let's get to the part that, that means more and makes more sense to me and, you know... Yeah. So I can I can see how like and then as you kind of like develop a better understanding of what the adult world is like, then maybe maybe the, it kind the, of falls away a little bit. The mini plot or the conflict that they gave him was really just like Rita Wilson's about to have the baby. Yeah. 
and then they rush off to the hospital at the end. Yeah. They needed more or none, I think. Yeah. They needed to do more with them or just take them out completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, I thought the movie was going to like be these parallel stories yeah. the whole time, going back and forth, and you'd have these echoes of things they said and mm-hmm. moments that happened that affected who what their friendship was later. And so that's just my ignorance, yeah. expecting some, probably from other cliched films, expecting something like that, but... So- I, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. And I didn't look this up. I, I, I would bet that Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig has seen that film. Yeah. And that, like, if it's as influential on our generation of people, of women, that maybe there's some of that in, I mean, like, it's in it's, it's in, in it's little in Lady women. Bird. It's in little women. little women. It's in everything that she touches, basically. Yeah. But like you know, I, it's for some reason. Then she gets to make like the best. Ver- I mean, like who would have thought we needed another version of Little Women? I talk about this all the time, but like Little Women is one of my favorite films that I've seen in the last five years, and like. Like, it's funny because, like, when I was watching the trailer, like, this big speech from Joe that they include in it, which I don't think they should have put in the trailer, but that's neither here nor there about how, you know, women have lives and thoughts and, you know, they're more than just who they, you know, they're they're more than just, like, finding love with a man. They're, there's so much that mm-hmm. women have to offer. And that's, like, you know, this film may, says that, but then it doesn't say that you know like it 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 undercuts itself with the with the frame story Mm -hmm. you know and i think that you know if there's any influence on greta gerwig at all that she was able to correct that with Mm -hmm. with little women because like you have a similar story it's a relationship between sisters Mm -hmm. you know you know and and each of those sisters get to you know have their lives together but they Mm -hmm. also have their lives separately outside of the family and what that looks like for each of them and um, you know, I, that said, I'm sure that, um, because we all did, we all read Little Women, you know, so I'm sure the writer of this had read Little Women and that was some sort of influence, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a reason why that film is, or that book is so important to us because there aren't very many, you know, stories written by women about how women lived in any age, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's, it's funny to see. I don't know. And I, I feel it feels particularly poignant in this moment when I feel like there's this sort of recognition that women have with each other now, mm-hmm. um, just since the Dobbs decision came down that like, that we're all sort of like living through something and regardless of like where you fall mm-hmm. on, on, pers- I mean, like, we all experience the same sort of you know, and some of us fight against that. Like some of us are like Roberta and we don't want to recognize. I mean, I think I struggled with that a lot. This sort of rejection of the feminine aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is probably why I didn't have, you know, great girlfriends when I was growing mm-hmm. up. But, um, you know, we all have this sort of complicated <laughs> relationship to to the idea of what, you know, femininity and women is in our society and. Um, anyway, I, anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you chose this movie. 
Yeah. But I, I, it's, again, it's, it's like, is it the best example? No, but. But it has a place. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, just, I, we probably mentioned this, but yeah. just even the, all the talent in this, all yeah. these, they're all such great actresses. And I mean, like these people went on to make some of my favorite films. Although, you know, oddly, I've not been a giant fan of the choices that Christina Ricci's made since. Hmm. I need to pull out some deep cut Christina Ricci movies for you because uh, I think there's some interesting ones later in the '90s that she made when she's probably about 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, uh, Buffalo '66, the Vincent Gallo movie. I haven't seen that. Um, I remember one she did called The Opposite of Sex. That was an indie uh, film that was kind of interesting. I don't remember that much that about one. it. I've seen that one. I can't remember. Um, but I, I haven't really like tracked her career very much. I mean, I think the, the last one that I, I've I re- never been a yeah. um, what's his name, uh, creepy filmmaker Tim uh, Tim Burton. Oh, she Tim does Burton. Tim Burton movies, right? Didn't she? She does. Didn't she do like Sleepy Hollow? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see it either. But I'm not. That's because I'm not into Tim Burton. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she might have done more done more than that. But so I remember her in the last thing that I think I remember seeing her in was Black Snake Moan, which we went and saw in the theater, and that was just a really uncomfortable film to watch. Yeah, I never saw that. It's like exploitative, mm-hmm. like racially, yeah. sexually. Yeah. You know, it's sexist and racist in weird ways, and I know it's trying to like, like is it trying to confront be those stereotypes? Be yeah, confronting it by being provocative, but I don't think it's successful in doing either of those things. And it just if it's not up. a good movie, then it's not successful. Yeah, I mean, and we went to see it because it had Christina Ricci and Samuel L. Jackson in it, and like, and it was by the guy who did Hustle and Flow. Right? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Well, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> So, which already, he's on strange ground, I think. Well, I mean, and if you look back at that film, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's held up as well as, like, The Wire, let's say. Which I you still know, haven't seen. You know. <laughs> so, do you have any other thoughts on uh, Now and Then and its place in our history before we sign off? Well, I just... I was excited to see that there it was like a touchstone and maybe it helped me to read these articles and see how it was significant to other people at the same time and maybe to understand a little bit more about why it was because again it sounds like it was important to a lot of people yeah I, I mean yeah it's not just you yeah <laughs> you're like am I am I crazy am I remembering this film as being better than it is or something well you know? it's it was weird because I do remember I mean there are certain films like that I just remember watching over and over and over again but that one in particular I was like I don't really understand why and it's because you know luckily we've gotten more films that are about women you know mm-hmm. I mean not as many as we'd like but certainly more than there used to be I think you know. I mean, except now it's just Marvel movies all the time, but, you know. Another strength of this movie I was just thinking about that makes it stand out is it's always from the perspective of the girls. I mean, I'm talking about the story of the girls when they're younger. There's no scenes with adults without the kids in them. It's always from their viewpoint. It's always them talking and interacting with each other. It's about the way that they see the world and grapple with it and and work with each other through stuff. Yeah. And I think that's that would also feel probably feel really 
cool to you as a kid growing up. Yeah. You know, as a teen. Well, I forgot to mention, there's there's an odd scene where they run into Brendan Fraser on their way back. To- yeah, I have a note about I just yeah. wrote, like, what's this about? <laughs> so, I mean, it's weird because this, this film really has very little perspective on the outside world, like, at all. It's kind of all takes place in this... We forgot to talk about this. The the neighborhood they live in is called the Gaslight Edition. It is a real neighborhood. Oh, it is? <laughs> in in Georgia. Yeah, it is okay. a real neighborhood. At the end of the movie, you're like, oh my God, I hope that this is supposed to be a metaphor. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot of gaslighting going There's on. a lot of gaslighting. Um, anyway, um, so the, like, the outside world doesn't really touch on them. Like, they don't... But there's a scene they're coming back from the library and they run into a hitchhiker who's wearing, like, army pants... Um, and it's Brendan Fraser, and he's a Vietnam vet who's back from the war, um, and he's just sort of like wandering around, hitchhike- hitchhiking different places, um, and he just sort of like gives them a little bit of like outside perspective about how adults don't know what they're talking about, and you know they lie, and you know which is like, you know, and. I think I mean they probably knew that. I mean like they're starting to know that about their own parents, I think he's but they supposed to be like an emissary from yeah. the adult world saying like yeah. uh, you know a lot of the stuff that you think is it's not really yeah. up and up. Don't uh, listen to the war, you yeah. know what they say about um And also your parents are fallible and yeah. like they are, they don't always know the right thing to do and they're flawed. Well, and that's that's so interesting to me too because like I, I remember being a kid and and having like sort of a vague like, vague understanding of what's going on in the world, but not enough to, like, where it interfered with your interior life about, um, but around the same age, 12, 13, is when I started, like, you know, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the war in, um, the Bosnian war and, and that stuff, and Mm -hmm. that's when, and then I think the, the tail end of, um, the the troubles in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and then the suicide bombings in um, Israel, mm-hmm. um, like that all was going on, and so like that's when you start, you know, that age is when you start thinking Being more aware of more what's aware of stuffs going, going on, yeah. you know, outside of your Gaslight Edition. <laughs> the gaslight Edition. We all live in the Gaslight, the gaslight edition. edition. It's about when do we move on and <laughs> and and find the broader world. Yeah. Well, and and then especially you'd have to go looking for it. It doesn't find you on your phone. You'd have to turn on the radio. It really is a little gaslight in front yeah. of every house in that development, yeah. which sent you into hysterics. Like you were yeah. dying laughing <laughs> when you saw that it was called the Gaslight <laughs> like, Edition and they all had those little gaslights. I think you, you laughed for like two minutes. Well, straight. I think that that's just, a, it's a little fascinating detail. Like if you were going to make this film now... Like that would be that would be like a that would be like an ironic touch that they threw yeah. in there. I don't think it was. I do, I honestly don't think they it was. They just did some location scouting and yeah, and the, like I I don't think gaslighting was a popular term that we used. And I, I know it wasn't a popular term yeah. that we used in the nineties. I I saw the movie Gaslight before I heard it as a term used. So when I heard somebody yeah. use it, I knew exactly what they were talking about yeah, because I'd same, seen the movie. Same, yeah. But um, I think that that's a relatively new terminology. At least it is in my my life. But I mean, like, if you made a new one, which I think would be fantastic if they made one, I would watch one if they said it in the 90s. That would be perfect. Um, that would be awesome. Um, 
although we're millennials are getting a little old now. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, then you could have those little ironic touches. You can have, um, you know, Roberta actually be queer, you know, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. You know, you can have, um, I mean, and, and they compare it to like, I saw people compare it to that. We're watching never have I ever, Yeah. which is a group of three friends. Yeah. But I, I'm sure that that was an influence, too. So oh, I guess it could be, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right on. Yeah. And then maybe we could have a little more going on with now. <laughs> yeah. I would rethink the way that we handle now. Yeah. Or else just make it then. <laughs> or I'm, I would just be make happy it then. then. Or we'll just call it now and later. <laughs> I, I want them to do more with now if we have now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for choosing now and then. Yeah. I think we should uh, call it a day. Okay. And uh, uh, wow, I think we're back on track with this yeah. show. Yeah. Um, and so we will try to continue getting these out <laughs> regularly about every two weeks. And next time it's my turn. Yes. And I, I've actually been, I was on my phone this morning, like my little note, my notes app, putting down things. Uh, so I'm prepared. I have something to choose from. I'm not completely uh, out of steam like I thought I was. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try and throw something interesting your way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Uh, shut up and watch this. I'm Dave. She's Ashley. I and, am. Um, That's what I am. And there's my cat. You can't see. I'm waving at my cranky cat. Um, and uh, she's probably going to start screaming at us the second we leave. Um, or maybe I just made that up and we don't have a cat. Anyway. Bye. Thanks Bye. for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.